Good morning, everybody. It's, um, it's a real privilege to be speaking to you this morning as we continue our series in Luke, looking at the year of the Lord's favour. And I'm excited to share with you what God has been speaking to me about. Uh, we've seen, haven't we, how Jesus began his ministry in Luke 4 with the words of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And of course, the year of the Lord's favour is the time we are living in. It's the time of unexpected grace, freely given as a gift of God. We've been singing about that this morning. We've done nothing to initiate it, nothing to earn it. Now, many of you know that I'm a primary school teacher, and a few years ago, I trained to be a facilitator uh, in an education programme that my school was running for teachers to kind of improve their practice and to support teaching and learning in the classroom. The guy who was training us and assessing us as facilitators was quite an intimidating character. And I remember being quite nervous the first time I had to lead a session under his watchful eye. However, I will never forget what he said to me just before the first session started. He said, now, Becky, there is nothing you can do now that will change my opinion of you. Now, luckily, I knew that he thought quite highly of me. So <laughs> this was an encouragement. But his comment really sticks in my mind because it was just a totally unexpected moment of grace that was in stark contrast to the culture I was used to working in, where success is so often measured by performance and outcome. As I've been preparing for today, I've asked the Holy Spirit, what does the favour of God look like in the passage that we're going to read in a moment? Where's the unexpected grace given to those who have done nothing to earn it? I'd encourage you to ask those questions yourself as we read the passage. So if you've got your Bibles... Uh, I encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 7, and we're going to start reading from verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. 
One owes him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The thing about the favour of God is that it needs to be experienced. There's a difference, isn't there, between knowledge and revelation. Luke tells us these stories, not so that we can learn more information about Jesus's kingdom manifesto, but so we can see how he lived and breathed it. How he demonstrated the year of the Lord's favour with power and authority, often to those on the very edge of society. Those who were shunned and excluded by the religious system of the time. And the story of Simon the Pharisee and the sinful woman is no exception. This is a story about the favour of God demonstrated through the gift of forgiveness given to those who have done nothing to earn it. A story of two people who are both presented with God's favour of forgiveness, but respond in very different ways. So before we look at a couple of things we can learn about forgiveness from this passage, I wanted just to spend a few moments looking at the two very different responses to Jesus that we've just read. The contrast Luke draws between Simon the Pharisee and the woman in the passage is enormous. He is a male Jewish religious leader. She is described as a woman who lived a sinful life, most probably a lady of the night. He has invited Jesus into his home. She has to gate crash a dinner party in order to gain access to Jesus. He is horrified that Jesus would let someone like her touch him. She doesn't care what anybody thinks and she does all she can to get close to Jesus. He doesn't offer Jesus any of the customary hospitality such as water to wash his feet, a kiss of greeting or oil for his head. But she offers Jesus all of these things openly displaying her affection and love for him. We don't know any more details about the woman, 
other than what Luke tells us in verse 37. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learns that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. I can imagine her hearing that Jesus is down the road at Simon the Pharisee's house. She's probably heard about the things Jesus has been doing, how he's turned the social, cultural and religious rules completely upside down, how he's proclaiming good news to the poor, welcoming in the outsider, the outcast, the invisible, how he's bringing justice to the oppressed and freedom to the captive, how the demons can't stay when he's around and sickness is driven out, how he's demonstrating the love and mercy of God by bringing sight to the blind. Maybe she'd even seen some of this with her own eyes. This is her chance now to get close to him to experience the favour of God for herself. I like to think of her running wildly through the town to Simon's house and then just completely interrupting the dinner. We must remember, of course, that houses at this time weren't like ours. Due to the hot climate, they would have had large openings, almost like a veranda, so that people could try to stay cool. When guests were entertained, it would have been quite a public affair, which is how the woman could have easily found her way to Jesus. The guests were reclining at the table to eat, as was common practice, so they'd have been kind of lying down on couches with their feet outstretched behind them like spokes in a wheel. Just imagine the scene for a moment. A group of well-respected men, some of the most influential leaders of the religious system of the time, reclining together, eating dinner. And then in crashes this woman who stands behind Jesus' outstretched feet, crying her eyes out. It's messy. It's embarrassing. But she doesn't care. She knows that Jesus is the only one who can give her what she so desperately needs. Forgiveness. Freedom. Acceptance. Hope. And so she lets her tears drip onto Jesus' feet, wipes them with her hair, kisses them and pours a jar of perfume all over them in an act of extravagant love and worship. What about Simon? Well, he had the outward appearance of honouring Jesus. He'd shown more respect than most by inviting him to his house for dinner. Yet, the whole time, he remained unmoved by Jesus' offer of forgiveness and grace, extended to those he considered beyond acceptance as he sat in judgment of others. He is revolted at the sight of a poor, broken, desperate sinner being allowed to respond to Jesus in this way. 
He says to himself in verse 39, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Simon had not yet understood what forgiveness in the kingdom of God looks like. And Jesus, knowing what is going on in Simon's heart and mind, reveals himself to indeed be a prophet by telling him a story in verse 41 to demonstrate what the forgiveness of God is like. And this leads us to the first thing we can learn about forgiveness from this passage. Forgiveness is unexpected and undeserved. The story Jesus tells goes like this. Two people were in debt to a moneylender. One owed 500 denarii, which is equivalent to about 20 months' wages, whilst the other owed 50 denarii, which is about two months' wages. Neither of them had the money to pay the moneylender back, so both were freely forgiven and released from their debt. That's verse 42. I wonder what Simon and his guests would have thought as they heard this story around the table. As they listened, they'd have noticed that both people in the story were in debt. But could you consider one less in debt than the other? Did one deserve forgiveness more than the other? Are they expecting Jesus to say the moneylender wrote off the lesser debt, but not the greater one? The unexpected conclusion of the story is that neither had the money to pay the moneylender back. So both were freely forgiven and released from their debt. Jesus is revealing to them the nature of the good news he has come to proclaim. That the forgiveness of God is unexpected and undeserved, given freely, no matter what we've done or what we owe. When the kingdom of heaven comes, the rules that we come up with about who deserves what are turned upside down. Jesus demonstrated that day how the forgiveness of God really is for everyone. Even those who, like Simon did, we may consider unworthy, beyond hope, or may have even written off. This was the favour of God that the woman experienced that day. She knew that Jesus' invitation of forgiveness really was for her too. And so she responds in faith at his feet, overwhelmed by the gift that she has received. After telling the story of the two debtors, Jesus asks Simon a searching question. He says, now which of them will love him more? Simon replies in verse 43, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Here was the true explanation, Jesus tells Simon, of the deep love the woman before him was displaying. Her many tears, her public display of affection, 
her anointing of his feet, all traced back to one cause. Verse 47, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Simon, on the other hand, remains unmoved by Jesus's invitation of forgiveness. Perhaps he felt that he had no need to be forgiven. He didn't owe Jesus anything. He was outwardly respectable, a religious leader, someone others looked up to. He had no sense of debt to Jesus. And so his heart remained distant and disconnected from the one who could bring him life. The story Jesus tells is not an invitation to count out my sins and look at how much I need forgiving compared to the next person. That was the trap Simon fell into. The invitation is simple. Will you respond to the undeserved gift of forgiveness that Jesus freely offers you? And this brings us to the second thing we can learn about forgiveness from this passage. Forgiveness gives you proximity to Jesus. The woman shows us what happens when we receive the forgiveness of God. We get to live a life in close proximity to our Saviour, at the feet of Jesus, living in the undeserved and unexpected favour of God. That's the good news that Jesus came to proclaim and was ultimately demonstrated when he died on the cross for the sin of the world. Ephesians 2 verse 13 says that now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Colossians 1.21 describes how once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. When he died on the cross, Jesus took upon himself the debt of the sin we owed, taking the punishment that should have been ours. And in return, he offers us his gift of forgiveness. Of course, this isn't a one-time thing that only happens when we first come to Jesus with our sins. The invitation of God's forgiveness is ongoing to come to the feet of Jesus, just like the woman did, and receive God's forgiveness again and again and again. Let me ask you, how close to the feet of Jesus are you at the moment? Are there some things that you need to get right with him? Are there areas of your heart that need softening? Places where, like Simon the Pharisee, judgment or unforgiveness towards others are lurking. I don't know about you, but 
my experience of sitting at the feet of Jesus is often costly. As the woman found, it can be messy. It often makes emotions rise to the surface that I don't want to have to deal with. The good, the bad and the ugly. But you know, I believe at this time the enemy wants us to stay numb, distracted and disconnected from the one who brings us life. Simon the Pharisee's encounter with Jesus reveals that we can show outward respect to him, even inviting him to dinner, whilst our hearts remain cold and distant from him. But the amazing thing about proximity with Jesus is that we can be completely honest with him because he knows it all anyway. We can tell him about the pain, the anger, the disappointment. We can tell him about where we've messed up. And every time we choose to come close, to sit at his feet, we discover that his love is deeper than we knew. His forgiveness is more complete than we ever dared hope. And his grace is richer than we could have ever imagined. So that's the invitation for us today. Will you come and sit at the feet of Jesus and receive his forgiveness again? In this encounter, Luke invites us to look again at Jesus. Is he what we expect? Does he do what we think he's going to do? Does he choose the people that we would choose? You know, when we live in close proximity to the feet of Jesus, we see people how he sees them. Those on the edge, those who are forgotten, those who are desperate and hopeless? Are we ready for those people to be sent to us? Are we ready for Jesus to send us out, out of our comfortable routines and familiar structures, to carry the message of the year of the Lord's favour to those who don't look like us, to those who don't follow the rules like we do? or who we think are messy and chaotic. I love how our passage for today concludes. After visiting Simon's house, Luke tells us in chapter 8, verse 1, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Jesus was with the twelve. And then we get a glimpse of a group of other disciples who had chosen to live in close proximity to Jesus. I love that they are women. 
One commentator writes that in the cultural context of the time, it was perhaps inevitable that men should form the inner circle around Jesus. But there are times like these verses at the beginning of chapter eight, where Luke shows us that in practice, this inner circle included groups of women who in the cultural context of the time were considered second rate citizens and were often shunned and excluded economically, socially and religiously. Jesus radically included women in his invitation to be his disciples his travelling companions, and even patrons of his mission. Verse 3 says these women were helping to support Jesus and the Twelve out of their own means. We, like them, have the privilege of partnering with Jesus' kingdom manifesto of proclaiming good news to the poor, justice to the oppressed, and compassion to the broken. As I come to a close, I'd love to pray for us. I feel like there might be two groups of people responding this morning. Firstly, if you've never experienced the forgiveness of God and you, like the woman, want to know freedom from sin today, there's good news. Jesus extends his invitation of forgiveness to you. And secondly, maybe you know that there are some things that you just want to get right with Jesus today. Can I encourage you, don't delay. Don't let the enemy distract you or tell you that you're too far from the feet of Jesus. That's not what Jesus says today. As you come to his feet again, hear him say to you in verse 47, therefore I tell you, Your many sins have been forgiven. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you afresh into our hearts, into our homes. Lead us to the feet of Jesus. Just take a moment now. Just spend some time getting right with him. If there's some stuff that you just need to talk to him about, some stuff that you just need to lay at his feet, just come and do that now. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that When you died on the cross, you dealt with sin once and for all. And we receive your forgiveness again this morning, whether it's for the first time or the 10,000th time. We thank you so much for this gift to us that is completely undeserved and unexpected. We love you, Jesus. I hear this promise from 1 John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness.